Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer and OG Managing Editor and all-around homeboy, Blake. <laughs> Good to be here. We write for SifPop.com for writing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. But on today's show, uh, we're actually talking about a lot of coming attractions. That's sort of our coming to attraction and Sif topic, because we're just going to take a brief look at what 2021 looks like in film. Uh, and then we're going to explore uh, a B-plot, which is actually something I devised. It's not actually a user-submitted question, which it uh, normally is. Uh, and we'll wrap up with a spin-off quick recommend or one from each one of us. But first, as we do every week, let's get a chance to know our writers. So, uh, Blake, when was it re- that you realized that you had a passion for movies? Uh, I always grew up going to the theater, I think like most movie lovers. But what really happened is the combination of two just random things. One, I got a job working at a factory in between college, so I was able to afford an iPhone and thus have an Instagram account. Seems pretty inconsequential, because it is. <laughs> when you combine that with the fact that I then like spent a couple months being hyped to see the movie Fury, I mean, that, that trailer, still my favorite movie of all time, uh, was so amazing, and I went to see it, and afterwards, all I did was write, I think, two or three sentences, and I posted it on Instagram. And I was like, oh, that felt really fun. So then that's how I started reviewing stuff. Now, of course, this next movie I saw was Interstellar, and I decided to take a dump on it because I thought it made me sound smart, which is a lesson you learn pretty early on not to do. But that was <laughs> kind of when it all started in 2014, which is why my older boss right now burns on me all the time for not knowing 80s movies. But I say 2014. I know 2014 forward almost to like completion. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one thing too that's that's difficult. Like, it, it's easy; it, it can be easy to keep up on things, but also, man, unless you have all the time in the world, and especially like if you get started in college or like high school, then you kind of have some time to build up a back catalog. But like, if you get started like as you're getting married or as you're having kids, like you got to give everybody tons of grace. You truly so. have to pick: am I going to stay current or am I going to watch old stuff? And even then, you can only there's only almost. There's only so much old stuff you can watch. Like right. I, I love movies. There are a couple days a week I work remote on my computer that I could have something playing in the background if I wanted. Even then, I'm not catching up. It's impossible. So you kind of just have to hit the highlights and why I think it's a huge watermark when I deem something a classic or not. Because you got to think in 50 years, the amount of time we have for movies, very small. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point to bring up. Yeah, so... Um, you already mentioned your favorite movie of all time being Fury, um, which I think is just an excellent pick because it's so unique. I've never heard anybody say Fury is their uh, favorite movie of all time, let alone like it's a relatively recent release. You said it's 2014. I mean, my favorite movie of all time is from 2016, but uh, a lot of times, you know, people are wondering, is it just recently biased? So uh, so why why Fury? Why is that the your favorite movie of all time? 
So I'd like to believe that it wasn't just because it was my first movie I reviewed, but that's impossible. Like, I'm sure that's a part of it. But truly, the cast couldn't get any better. All five of those guys in that tank are just money. And then when you put them together and then layer on the ethical questions that we're thinking about, which give it the depth, while still like feeding my, I'm a boy, so I want to watch a war movie, those two things really intertwine well. And those characters, I mean, they really felt real. You really feel the ethical questions being answered. And I mean, I just love Brad Pitt. Like, and I love Shia LaBeouf and I love Logan Lerman. My wife would leave me for Logan Lerman. Like it's just a great <laughs> to hang out with. And the, the phrase they say in that movie is where Brad Pitt, I'm not going to scream it on this, but he says, we're still in this fight. We're still in this fight. And I used to say that all through college after I watched it to like pump myself up or like at a debate tournament or whatever. I had this sword that I'd bought because I'd watched Spartacus. So I would swing that phrase <laughs> and swing the sword before I go fail a test because I'm an idiot. So all of that combined, it's just so much like that I loved in it. And it's the only thing I've ever watched like three or four times that's not Star Wars. Cool. So, uh, so Blake, I've, I've gotten a chance to talk with uh, a bunch of the writers uh, throughout the course of the last six-ish months and, uh, and just get to ask them how they get involved in writing for Sif Pop. And it's been really cool just hearing a lot of stories of, I just got connected via Blake. Like, yeah, we met at Sin Week or, you know, like I happened to just randomly reach out to you because Dicer told me to. And like just all, all, these, all these stories that come across or like a lot of people are just like, yeah, I was following Blake's Instagram and he posted. So, so it, it was just, it's just re- really cool hearing all those stories. And I, w- I want to hear from your perspective. What was it like kind of starting this group of writers to, to write for the site um, and, and compiling all sorts of wide varieties of people to... Uh, and and kind of assembling that to make it all work just so well. Yeah, uh, that's you say the word connecting and reaching out online, and I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about the internet right now. And no one has, has I'm not the first person to say this, but it allowed everyone, like you were the one guy, most people were like the one person at their school or maybe a couple that were like super nerdy. In those silos, it can get really lonely, but the internet allows us to say, hey, you know what I really love? I love this one part of the timeline of Star Wars and you find a hundred other people that do who are obsessed, I don't know, with like Ahsoka, which probably more than a hundred, but like right. that allows people to form really close groups around a common love, even though they'll never meet. Like you and I have hung out one time. I've hung out with, let's see, Frank a couple times, but like a lot of people you, I've never met. Like there was a time where a lot of my closest friends were like people I'd never met on Instagram. So what ended ended up happening with that is this is going to sound a little stalkerish. So let's just edit this (laughs) out. I've never said this. I I kept hearing in business books, just get involved, offer your assistance to somebody. Most of the time people don't turn down help. So I heard Aaron on on the Sincast and normally I don't like guests on there, but I was like, this guy's voice is so smooth. I was a speech minor. He's got really great takes. So I started listening to Sif Pop. Well, then from Sif Pop, I started following him and I became a patron pretty early on. So on the show, Sif Quest, I submitted that name and he ended up picking it. And so I think that moment kind of maybe showed him some potential. And then on his first Patreon video, because it was literally the first week, it was just me and I think one other person. And so I asked if I could be on video since it was just us. Well, then... Aaron is a guy that needs a soundboard. I don't think he wanted to talk into the void. I don't think anyone wants to talk into the void other than talk radio host. So I just started, 
I, I offered him, I was like, hey, every week um, I could come up with a couple questions and then we could, like I could give you some someone to bounce back and forth on. And I did that for a full year and a half. And then he, he talked about wanting to do SifPop.com and I was like, hey, you're going to need a managing editor for that. Along the way here though, I also started my own podcast. I also am reviewing movies and this is where my tale starts to get close to kind of Icarus because I just mm-hmm. took on so much. So like I really loved connecting with everyone on Sif Pop and bringing everyone on and seeing like every, I got to kind of give up that little moment of like, Hey, here's the thing for you that Aaron had given for me. And that was really rewarding. But then after a year and a half of that and also doing full-time job and my own podcast, like I got so overwhelmed that I would issue that warning to people to be very selective the content machine is vicious and not in an evil way in the sense that like it just demands time. And so I ended up quitting my job, quitting my podcast and stepping down as manager. Um, I have a new job, y'all. I'm not a bum, but um, <laughs> this is too much to take. Thankfully, um, yeah. I think Ben is doing a fantastic job and hopefully he can give me my Dave Baloney to the George Lucas. That's a, that's a great analogy. It's arrogant to call myself George Lucas, but what can I say? It sounds fun. I mean, I like Dave Filoni more than I like George Lucas, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ben Davis and uh, and Blake Hodges are on are on equal planes. Well, um, that's a high compliment because Ben is a great dude, and honestly, yeah. at the very beginning, I was scared no one would want to help because I mean, I was essentially eliciting ten strangers every single week to at least ten strangers to give me a blurb on a movie, all for the love of the game. Nobody getting paid. So I didn't think it would like, I thought I'd end up being like writing seven out of 10 every week. And uh, I was just, it was amazing to see the community come up around it and still going. When you announced this podcast, I loved that because that gives everyone a chance to then come on and guess. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, It's just gone great. Yeah. I I, I just like, I like the way that things have evolved. And um, you talk about like your movie friends being some of the closest friends and sometimes your best friends are the people you've never even met. And I feel like, you know, before this podcast started, I would, I would say that about you and Ben and Robert being my closest friends, uh, which is a really cool experience. And uh, to kind of see how that happened, I was just like, but I want, I want that with everybody. I want Austin to have that. I want Alex to have that. And not only that, but I want to be that with Austin and I want to be that with Alex. Like I want kind of like you did with the, with the website, like just to get an opportunity to get their voices heard as well as uh, to also get an opportunity to, to, to just chat movies with movie loving people who are so willing to write a blurb every week. Um, and, you know, for, in some cases like Shane, write a movie review every day. <laughs> um, I, that is a machine. He is now, so the content machine chews up everyone. Except Dicer and except Shane. for Shane, Shane looks him dead in the eye and says, "You have no idea who I am." Like I don't know how he does it. Right. Well, and that's the thing too is like you expect like with how much content Shane can put out, you expect him to be like that like guy in South Park that's just always playing that game, like the huge in the chair with Cheetos on his shirt, whatever. Like no, he like looks good. And all, like he's got to find time to keep healthy in there as well. Like he must not sleep. I really don't know how he does it. I I should ask him. Like anytime I'm on Facebook, I'm just like, how how's he doing this? crazy yeah yeah i'm asking him uh he's on the show again in a couple weeks so i'm definitely asking him at the start as he's get to know you questions but uh uh yeah that's really awesome to especially to hear your side uh that's been been really cool uh to see and so uh, on behalf of all of us uh th- thanks for thanks for putting that together um i know it's 
you and Dicer, but thanks for thanks for doing a lot of the footwork and thanks for um, yeah, I mean, running that for for a while. So. Thanks, man. I'm really, really, really glad that something like this could come about, and I'm glad that Ben was able to take up the mantle because um, I was scared yeah. of stuff kind of well, if I disappear. I mean, it's not a it's not an easy job on the back end, so it's been great to see him take up the torch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not just you know write me something and I'll put them in a list, but you got to find the stills and you got to remind people because every single week somebody's got to message me because it's Thursday morning and I haven't written anything. <laughs> you got to make you got to make images. You got to edit. You have to decide right. how much of Frank's nonsense do I keep. That's running <laughs> the amount of Frank to to allow. It's like drinking. You don't want to because <laughs> you're going to throw up, but you definitely want to drink. You want to drink a good amount, so. That was a very fun exercise and something that takes time. I'm low-key really um, excited and concerned because Frank's on, Frank's been on the podcast twice so far, and he's coming back on the podcast to talk about Fast and Furious movies, and like it's a perfect combination. Frank has uh, sent me a script that he wrote about a couple years ago, and I'm telling you, that guy's hilarious. He he could truly be in a writer's room. I mean. He's he oh, might yeah. be the funniest guy I know in terms of writing. And you know what he is? I don't. He's the funniest dude I know when it comes to just straight writing. So yeah, he sent me he sent me a couple of his scripts. I think uh, one of them was like a more like a drama type thing, and I just kind of gave him notes. I'm like, I don't really understand what's going on. What's the purpose of this? Maybe this might make something better if that's what you're going for. Uh, but the other one he sent me was just like a, a four page short, like a like a comedy game night type thing. And I was like, oh okay, what's this gonna be? And it, I, it had me rolling at the end. I, yeah, he's. I hope he makes something eventually. He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You will benefit if you follow Frank Chem Three on Twitter and are awake at you know two a.m. Central Time because <laughs> he'll just be like, "Who's up? Who wants to read something?" And I'm like, "Me, please." Oh, cool. So, um, so Blake, I've kind of given you a lot of crap, uh, both on the podcast and on the social medias about uh, about your recent take. You mentioned about it's high praise if a if a classic gets a good good rating from you uh, and I've given you crap because you notoriously hate the movie Fargo and uh, you're the only person I know that's like that and uh, and it's just easy to pick on the little guy right so I figured while you're on I'll just give you a chance to explain like to explain yourself give your point of view and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna counter at all I'm just gonna let you have this one and this folks is what has been all edited out I'm sure on the back end but the evolved way to say or the the unevolved way to say this would be like it's super boring. I hate the Coen Brothers. I've never liked anything the Coen Brothers have done. It's too slow, blah, blah, blah. But let's put that aside. So honestly, to argue against myself, I've never liked the Coen Brothers. So I'm biased. I knew that going in. The only Coen Brothers movie I've ever liked is A Brother Where Art Thou. Now, I love that. Um, and I probably would have been not allowed to marry my wife's my wife and marry into that family had that I not liked that movie. I just... I can't get into movies that are this slow. And again, that's not the movie's fault. I'm dumb. I like the popcorn, pop culture, easy stuff. I actually liked Suicide Squad. So I think when you combine all that, and I've just lost credibility forever, but... Look, I liked Suicide Squad when I saw it in theaters. Not so much anymore. Yeah, I haven't haven't revisited it, because I don't revisit movies because I don't have time to see as many as you want. But it just was so slow, and... If I was going to give one legit, unfiltered criticism of it, I would just truly say that this movie and most Coen Brothers movies, either they think they are smarter than everyone else and are giving you something deep when it's nothing, or I'm just um, 
unfairly putting that on them, but that's the feeling I get every time I watch one of these. Look, it's not for everybody, and movies are subjective, are objective. So you like what you like, and you don't like what you don't like. So that's why I like um, to say it's not that this movie is crap. And it, and when I give something a fifteen, I'm not a god. It doesn't mean it is a fifteen percent movie. It's a fifteen percent <laughs> movie for me. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's just not your thing. And like, you know, like black and white artsy fartsy movies aren't my thing. And I like, you know, I like some of them. And just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's artsy fartsy and all. You know, like, but I. I didn't like Roma, like, you know, and unpopular opinion. So like, you know, it's fine. It's just not my thing. Um, horror is not my thing. So, you know, like you're conjuring, but I don't. Yeah. So Blake, I have one last real brief question. Uh, and that's, uh, what does Dr. Pepper taste like? Wow. I want to know if this is targeted or not, but because that Dr. Pepper is my wife's favorite substance on earth other than baby Yoda and the diet Dr. Pepper specifically. Um, diet Dr. Pepper though. I'm also a cocktail guy, so I'm pretty good on the tasting notes, and I think it tastes mostly like cherry above all else. They say it has 23 flavors. I'm looking at a can right now across the room because, again, favorite substance on earth. Uh, oh, yeah. It's definitely cherry, and then vanilla would be the undertone after that. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I thought that was an interesting question I came across last night because uh, I was drinking a Dr. Pepper Dark Berry, which is my favorite substance on earth. Unfortunately, it was only a limited run, mm. and I would give anything my right arm – uh, you know, my, I would give up the internet for the rest of my life if I could have Dr. Pepper Dark Berry back. Oh I know, like, God. it's that good. And, uh, you know, uh, typically when I used to buy Dr. Pepper, I'd buy the cherry just because it's a little less fizzy. It's very carbonated. Uh, but I just, man, how do you describe what Dr. Pepper tastes like? I mean, ch- your cherry and vanilla, sure. Was, it tastes like Dr. Pepper to me. <laughs> I don't know. Because, like, even even its copycats, Mr. Pibb and Dr. Thunder, like, they taste nothing like Dr. Pepper. No, yeah. I like both of those. Back when I like gained 20 pounds and would just like eat three, I'm not kidding, it's not hyperbolic. I'd eat three bags of movie popcorn while sucking down a Mr. Pip. I liked Mr. Pip, but it tasted like Dr. Pepper was trying too hard. So mm, that's a good way to put it. Well, and Mr. Pip is, is labeled as cherry flavored soda or something like that. So I guess, I guess probably cherry is the best way to. To describe Dr. Pepper, but it's it's also not right. <laughs> so, anyway, I just thought that was just a, an interesting question. My my idea is always just for somebody to go like, "Wow, why would you ask that?" But uh, sure, we'll say it was targeted. Well, I'd like, I'd like to just sound brilliant, like I was so prepared for that. So that's <laughs> nice. Well, your wife and I share a uh, a common thing because Dr. Pepper is my preferred drink as well. Uh, definitely my preferred soda, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like all, I like pretty the only kind of soda I don't like. I don't like cream soda, but I like Dr. Pepper cream soda. Like, I think that one is a good, I hate cream soda. I was just about to say I'd go cream soda root beer, but then Dr. Pepper right there. That's okay. I guess it's interesting. You and I like the most of anyone else on Twitter and in Sif Pop. So that's quite hilarious. You would drag cream soda. I just, it's look, it's, it's. It, just like Fargo is not for you, cream soda is not for me. My wife loves cream soda, so I keep it at the house. Um, See, I think what it is, though, is I'm not mad at you. I'm so sad. I'm so overwhelmed by you not loving something in the same way for you for Fargo that then yeah. you want to push it on them. Not because you hate them. Because if you didn't like a person, you'd be like, good, don't enjoy something. It's this weird thing where you like someone and like another thing and you want them to like each other. Well, and that yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Even with talking movies with people, is like you know, like you mentioned, like with Fargo right now, it's like, man, like I want 
I want you to love things and I want to love things and I want us to love the same things so that we can share in our love. Like, like, you know, I, I, I wish I loved the rise of Skywalker so I could just gush all over it with Ben, but I just don't. So I get to crap on it with Robert <laughs> and like, <laughs> Oh, well, let me join y'all's ring on that. Sorry, Ben. That movie. Oh, well, there we go. Now we can, now we can agree with something with a movie opinion as we, as we start off on the top. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Cool. Well, are you ready to move on to talk about the bulk of the show? Sounds good. Great. Uh, well, quick disclaimer up front. We're going to be talking about movies that are coming out in 2021, uh, but three quick disclaimers. Number one, there are no foreign movies on this list, um, just because I don't really know anything about foreign movies until they come out later. And so, you know, it, it's hard. But there's also just too many films to talk about to also include foreign films. These are just American films, just Hollywood produced um, this is not going to be every movie. We're not going to talk about every movie. Uh, really, we're just going to talk about movies that uh, have an interesting aspect to them, like an up and coming star, or like particularly, I narrowed it down, but there has to be a couple of names attached to it, um, like a couple of um, uh, a couple of stars for in order to get my attention, or there has to be something interesting about it, like this writer director is turning back to form, or. Um, this person is on a hot streak right now. Let's see what they do. Or like this up and coming person, right? Like uh, anything like that. And also, as always, because of the ongoing pandemic and what society's going to look like, all these release dates are just as we're recording. And we're recording on December 19th as to, um, you know, avoid recording on Christmas. So uh, so we are recording, you know, two weeks before this episode is going to come out. And like, look, stuff's going to change. I know. And stuff's even going to change, especially some of the stuff we talk about later in the year. So just, you know, these are the release dates as of now. And uh, and I think that those are all three worth noting. But uh, um, we're not, like I said, we're not going to do a deep dive. I'm not going to give you synopsis. We're just going to, we're just going to talk about something, why it might be important. And just in general, like how you might feel about it. So, so let's start off here. Uh, January 15th, there's a, a, a movie coming out called The Wrath of Man, which I'd never heard of. But this is a new writer written, directed by Guy Ritchie starring Jason Statham. So I got a feeling that he's going back to like Snatch and Lockstock and, you know, especially with the release of The Gentleman last year. Like, do you like those movies like that style? I didn't like The Gentleman, but I think that's because I was dumb and sleepy. I really don't think it was the movie because if I don't like a movie and my wife tells me I'm crazy, she's typically right. Um, I think sure. Richie and Jason Statham going together is a marriage made in heaven because of yeah. the grittiness Richie likes to do and then the grittiness Statham likes to do. And I really can dig a movie where it's just like, I'm going to watch Jason Statham punch people for two hours. I can do that. So this sounds like a very solid like VOD movie, and I wouldn't be surprised if it went that way. Um, so it's not a must watch, but I would definitely not disagree with throwing it on. Yeah, I, I just think that there's enough track record here with uh, Guy Ritchie at this point. Uh, I, I didn't love The Gentleman, but I really liked it. Um, I take it you haven't seen Snatch or Lockstock? I haven't. I, w- I would check out Snatch. Snatch is great. Um, and it's in that same vibe of what The Gentleman is like. And your Guy Ritchie also did Rock and Rolla, which is bottom tier of this format. So, um, yeah, that's I think that's why it's worth putting on there. Um so, uh, and then Chaos Walking, which again, another a movie I didn't hear about at all. Uh, but this is definitely notable. This is coming out on uh, January 22nd uh, because this is directed by Doug Lyman, who's, I mean, got a pretty great track record and uh, starring Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, and Mad, Mads Mickelson, and somewhere in there, Nick Jonas. So, <laughs> um, those are all. The title is based upon the production of it because. 
for whatever reason, having these two stars from Star Wars and Marvel, you'd think it'd be easy to get this movie made. It has had delays before the Rona became a thing. It has been delayed many, many times. There's been all these issues on set. I'm so fascinated to watch the documentary about making this movie even more so than this movie because it is seen. I mean, I'm not trying to be silly here. Literally, it seems it seemed like chaos. Everything I've heard about it so far. To add to the chaos, I just said this was coming out January 15th or January 22nd. It's apparently are, um, been changed to March 5th since That's the time I made these show notes a week ago. <laughs> I think so. that's great to hear because when I saw this was on January, I was like, ah, how fitting. The dumping ground for this movie that has, has had so much trouble is now going to be in January. So it does suck. Hearing it moving to March gives me so much more hope. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think, I think it's also just worth noting for this movie about like, I mean, Tom Holland has been in quite a few things. He's definitely a, a star at this point. And I mean, Daisy Ridley is a very recognizable name at this point, but she's been so wrapped up in doing the star Wars trilogy and uh, just some, uh, some other like very small things. Like this is the first time she's been in a big movie outside the star Wars, except for the bird around the Orient express. So like, I'm interested to see is her career going to continue to be like, great like are people still going to continue i like daisy ridley i i really do um so but this is kind of a make or break moment now that star wars is over she doesn't have another star wars movie coming although with all the things that disney is announcing you know maybe we'll get a race series because we'll get it every character ever series oh yeah listen i i was an extra on something and i got my own series you're not here yeah that's what it feels like <laughs> so um but yeah and mads mickelson i think i think he's top tier acting um i love him and Nick Jonas was a, definitely a bright part of, of the Jumanji movie. That's all I've seen him in. Nick Jonas's career cracks me up because I think it's a good um, it's a good story to, to remind yourself not to write someone off too fast because it's easy to be like, another Disney pop star. Blah. And yeah, you're right. right. You're totally right, which is something I never thought I'd say to you, Aaron. He was hilarious in Jumanji. So. I, I pretty much have the exact same feelings. <laughs> Then, then apparently there's another Cinderella movie coming out, and like, why? Man, when I saw it, I don't know. But like, when I saw this, I was immediately like, okay, like, why? <laughs> like, because not you know, not only like I get they're trying to do all these live action remakes, but we just got the Branna version, which like my wife really likes. It's her preferred version, and like it's okay. I thought it was fine. I mean, John Mulaney. I'll I'll watch John Mulaney be awkward in anything, and. Being awkward in a bad movie could still work. Yeah, it's this bad. When I was looking through the list, I thought, "What?" Yeah, uh, I I thought well, I thought what well, I thought that was dumb. But at the same time, like I'm low, I'm kind of interested in this. So this is apparently a musical version. But I'm interested because this stars Camila Cabello, Idina Menzel, James Corden, Minnie Driver, Pierce Bronson, and yo know, the cream of the crop, John Mulaney. So I, I mean, first of all, I love Mulaney. I'll pretty much see anything he does and Dina Menzel's got a great voice I mean I really like Camila Cabello like James Corden is usually I mean he was in Cats so let's take that <laughs> yeah, you're about to steal my thunder on my next point like what's a movie where we liked everyone in it and we thought it had an interesting concept and it failed Cats this feels very uh, similar well I don't I don't I, I mean I don't really like Chris Brown he was in Cats right uh, well I don't know though everybody but I guess so right but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I like Ruby Rose. I like James Corden. You know, yeah, I, I like the director Tom Hopper. But yeah, I won't go see this. But it's interesting. I might see it at some point. I'm kind of interested. It's also not Disney, and I wonder if it just if the story is just not trademarked. Now, it's Columbia Pictures. Here's something I could get very interested in. It's not that I just love like a hard R movie, but what would be hilarious since this is 
and and honestly, if they did this right, I'm only complimenting myself as I say this because I'm about to say what I would like as my own idea. But if they made a hard R hilarious, like a Deadpool level hilarious version of what used to be Disney, and they just went behind Disney and trolled them on every live action because those are Grimm Brothers tales. They're not copyright. Yep. If you just made like the this would be hard R funny version, that could be magnificent. That will not happen, but that would be my dream for it. This next movie, though, is one that I really can't wait for because the next one is Malcolm and Marie on February 5th, and it's got two of the most, like, this might be the two hottest up-and-comers in Hollywood right now, Zendaya and John freaking David Washington. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a different different actors to refute, and I can't. Like, Uh, Zendaya. Definitely Zendaya is probably the, like, most upcoming, going to win an Oscar Probably soon. She, female actress. Force. I mean, is she is she the next goat? I've never heard a soul say they didn't like Zendaya. She's really good. I I, I just finished watching Euphoria, and I'll talk oh. about that more with Shane. Uh, she's excellent, uh, and she's great in the Spider Man movies. She's great in Greatest Showman, which is a not good movie. You know, and John David Washington. I've only seen Black Clansman and Tenet, but like, man, what an impressive start and this should be noted malcolm marie is also being written and directed by sam levinson who is the creator and directed most of euphoria yeah i love euphoria i love these two i'm gonna love this this is gonna be what makes me end up getting hbo max but i will say if i can just shove this opinion that i brought that wasn't on the sheet here yeah they didn't recast chadwick boseman and that is an impossible situation i don't know what there's really of course if they would have recast him there would have been blowback they didn't recast him. There's blowback saying, well, now you're letting this iconic black character die. And that is a valid argument. If they were going to recast him, the only person that could have worked with would have been John David Washington. When you see him in Tenet in that kitchen scene, it is it is definitive. This is a certified movie star. This is not nepotism. It's not his dad's name. This man is a star. I could see him taking over that highbrow um, distinguished honored role of T'Challa and I would have been fine with it but he would have been my own you know I, I'm totally good with that uh, I mean I don't want them to recast T'Challa I think uh, but like in 10 years they're gonna give it some time well I mean yeah maybe um, but like you know how about like a distant cousin or something like that I I have a sneaking suspicion they're gonna find a way in the next script to work back Killmonger and make him because he's such a lovable villain that uh, you'll make him and he kind of has good motivations He's just maybe a jerk. I think they're going to maybe try to work it back to where he is rehabilitated and and is uh, even though he's dead, but you know, That's who's really the number dead one rule of, of movies and even Marvel. No one's dead. And right. we didn't see him like be buried. They, they have all right. the technology there. I would say on the flip side, I'd love to see Shuri be the lead. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, they could definitely work their way back to Killmonger. And everyone loves Michael B. Jordan. The only reason he couldn't have taken over is he's already been in it. He would have been my second pick. If you if you reverse this out, I could have also seen him do that. So, But yeah, Malcolm and Marie looks amazing. Yeah, um, and this is weird too. Again, I put these notes together a week ago, and uh, this is supposed to be an HBO Max release, which makes sense because Sam Levinson and Zendaya you know, doing all the euphoria stuff. But apparently, this is Netflix, and it, Netflix picked up the rights to it in 2020, uh, September 2020. So, like, apparently apparently I'm wrong. Uh, or maybe Wikipedia is wrong because it said HBO Max. That would make more sense 
I don't know. Wikipedia currently says Netflix. It said no, HBO Max. I overwrite Wikipedia and my writing authority is a citizen of Tennessee. There's no way. There's no way. Right. This has to be HBO Max. Um, but yeah, and this is uh, so this is also just one quick note before we move on. This is also noted because this is the first movie to be entirely written, performed, edited and released during the COVID pandemic. This was not pre-production anything. This was not even this was just a concept that Sam Levinson was like, yeah, maybe at some point. And uh, and this is a full length movie that is entirely contained in its making in the pandemic, which. I think is a tremendous feat. And after seeing the euphoria special, like I want to see more of like contained stories that this guy does. Yeah. He can can do no wrong for a while for me. That's true. All right. Well, uh, sounds like we're both pretty hype about that. Um, And then uh, next on the list is uh, the King's man. And I can't even find this on Wikipedia. I'm just going to go off my show notes because this (laughs) Wikipedia keeps on changing. I can't, because I can't find King's man. This is uh, February 12th. I mean, maybe things have changed. Like I said, give me a little grace. Um, because of we're in the middle of a pandemic and movies are afraid to release right now. Rightfully so. Uh, do you like the Kingsman movies, Blake? I do. I think the first Kingsman movie is really great. And that action scene in the church, if we yep. were to do like a top 20, I'm going to extend to 20 just to keep from dying here. If we were to do a top 20 action sequences of all time. I think that's probably scraping like in its way into that list, at least for me. For me, it's definitely going to make a top 10. Um, yeah, it, it would probably be up there with me too. Yeah, the second one went a little off the rails, um, but in a goofy way, and I can get mm-hmm. down with goofy. Um, so it's it's definitely watchable. I like it more. I like it the more I watch it. It definitely benefits from repeated viewings because you lower your expectations. You 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 understand what's going on. It's, I think it's great. Um, and apparently, it was originally a four hour cut, and I want to see that four hour cut. Goodness. Um, Notable, uh, notable stars in this is Ray Fiennes, Gemma Adderton, Daniel Bruhl, and J- Jaimon Honsu. So, very excited about about that one. Uh, and then there's a movie coming out called Dog, which I never heard about. And the reason this is on the list is because we have Channing Tatum co-directing now, which is new. Um, like, I, what, what's What's with the resurgence of all these stars that are wanting to direct? Like, it, do you think it's like out of genuine? A lot of these stars have probably always wanted to direct, like Sean Connery, but just never did. Um, or some of these people that like tried their hand and it wind up sucking. Like, you know, I know notoriously, like Roger Ebert directed a movie and nobody liked it, and like the movie critic of all time, like directed a movie and nobody liked it. So, like, or do you think it's more like maybe he's trying to like self-preserve or like broaden his horizons? And I, I don't know. I mean, like, I never, I never picked Channing Tatum to be one that could direct. All right, based off of what he's done. If if I if I need to be accused of being a take lord after this, that's justified. I think actors are obsessed with hitting director because for whatever reason we've turned actors or directors into demigods in our culture. And for good reason on the people that um, like Christopher Nolan and uh, Spielberg, whatever. But here's the thing. Other than the top tier, no one cares. I'm just going to say that. No one cares about the directors of other movies. You have the top tier that can headline something. And then after that, to me, you're just the same role filler as the janitor that cleaned up the set. So I don't understand like why people, if it's just wanting to do something different, that's cool. But it seems like it's more a thing of that is ascending to them. Whereas I'm like, look, you have a beautiful face, Channing Tatum, do that. It's 
This movie is either to appease him because he's been nagging to be a director or to test him. I don't know which it'll be. We'll see how good it is, but it's yeah. seeing everyone want to direct. Well, and I, I, I think I agree with you. We do, for good reason, lift up the Nolans and the Denis Villeneuve's and the Steven Spielberg's and the, you know, just the seventies Francis Ford Coppola. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think to also to some, for every, for every Spielberg, there's a Michael Bay and for every Denis Villeneuve, there's a Lars von Trier, right? Like, Let's put it this way. If you had to pick between a grade A, like the top actor in a movie with a bad director or a top director and a bad lead, what do you pick? Top director. That's probably and, and, for us. Yeah. Well, and, and another part of that too is a, a, a good director can make a, any actor good. Like, see, and I think you're right on that because, um, or at least he can edit him to make him seem good. I'm almost retracting my opinion here because I understand how insane I sound, but it's just, I don't know. I think I'm in, you know what? Let me walk back my opinion. I'm annoyed that everyone thinks being a director is the ultimate goal. But yeah, you really can't. If you cut that out, you're screwed. Because like, I've never really liked Haley Steinfeld. But then in, um, oh gosh, what was that movie with uh, the movie where she was really young? Uh, in the old, 17? No, in the oh, I hate True Grit. In True the grit. West. Yes. She's phenomenal yeah. in that. So I can only imagine it's because the director was good. Uh, well, I mean, I think you can see talent in her from a young age. But Blake, you want to know a secret? What? True Grits, a Coen Brothers movie. Really? No, see, yeah. there's nothing I love more than to hate something and then actually find out I love it. Like, I think the only way to live is to embrace the fact that you could be wrong all the time, which allows you yeah, to live to your fullest without fear because you can just be wrong. That's interesting. I love True Grit. Like, love it. Wow. Gosh, Wikipedia is just screwing me up. I'm just closing the tab because the next movie I have here is called What About Love, and it's definitely not matching up on the Wikipedia. It's coming out February 12th as well. Now, I, I have to imagine this is like an anthology movie um, because this is directed by Ridley Scott, Jerry Bruckheimer, and Stella Meggy. Stars Zoe Saldana, Andy Garcia, Lupita Nyong'o, Ian Glenn, Wesley Snipes, Lil Rel Howery, and Ron Perlman. Like, I doubt this is a typo. <laughs> I mean, is there a weak link in all of that? <laughs> Yeah, that's. I was gonna say, what is it about? Because they've got. I don't know. So, it's about love. Because what about love, right? Man, I hope that's not like a hollow rom com anthology series inside of a movie that gets ten minutes per each person. Well, but Ridley Scott and Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, it's gotta be something different, right? Hopefully. Yeah, it's a nice. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see the trailer. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we got Cherry on uh, on 26th, um, February 26th. And this is important because it's the next Russo Brothers film. It's a follow-up after Endgame and it stars Tom Holland. So the Russo Brothers uh, are not embarrassed to just grab one of their favorite MCU people, which I think is great. You work with the people you like. Well, and you know, Nolan does the same thing. Um, and uh, I mean, except for Tenet. Tenet was one of those, like, I'm just going to get a new... F-. But now everybody that was in Tenet is going to be in whatever next movie he makes. <laughs> Well, I hope so. Um, I've watched John David Washington anything now. Oh yeah, and Elizabeth Debicki. Um. So yeah, that's the that's the important note. Uh, Coming to America. Have you seen the original? I haven't. I've heard great things, and I love Eddie Murphy. So I really, I really would love just like two weeks to watch all of his old catalog. Um. But it's weird. These like, this would be a great question for a future episode. That's very arrogant of me to say, but like, what is the best movie that? Came is a sequel 30 minutes or 30 years, 20 years, 
50 years in the future. Because is there a single one? Is there a single movie that had this much of a gap and was good? That's Blade Runner 2049 would be my immediate answer. The guy next to me went to sleep during that movie and I almost almost did the same. Yeah, I mean, I love that movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a a good question to explore earlier. But yeah, my my instinct is Blade Runner 2049. I'll probably add that to a B-plot to talk about at some point. I'd love to Uh, know because it's... It's tough to do that. It's it's a hard thing to resurrect something like that. Right. Well, and there's also a difference of like movies been in production hell, like Bill and Ted 3 for 20 mm-hmm. years versus, you know, Blade Runner 2049 was announced like 20 years later. Uh, I haven't seen the original, so I don't have anything to say. This will be a prime original release on March 5th. Also that day is Tom and Jerry on uh, March 5th on HBO Max, which of course we'll talk about that HBO Max stuff later. I love Tom and Jerry don't know that i'm really interested in movies isn't it live action like half kind of say that with any more sarcasm as i'm trying but right live action like lion king was live action man raya and the last dragon march 12th uh this is going to be a disney plus premiere access uh this is important because it's uh, a disney animation original and those are usually pretty good since big hero 6 so is this them answering to dreamworks about um how to train your dragon? <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I love those movies. So, oh, same. if it's between watching this Rain the Last Dragon or my How to Train Your Dragon, you know I'm keeping How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Then we got The Many Saints of Newark also on March 12th. This will be uh, HBO Max. Um, this is a Sopranos prequel directed by Alan Taylor, which, like, man, dude's got a stellar track record with doing episodes of The Wire and uh, a bunch of HBO shows like Game of Thrones. Is, but he's not made a good movie. He did Thor the Dark World and he did Terminator Genesis. Like he's had a bad history with movies. But like because this is an HBO original, maybe that's a maybe that'll be different. Yeah, and I'm willing to give someone grace for at least a couple because there's so many things. There's just so many things that can make a movie yeah. change. So I agree. Um, and this stars Leslie Odom Jr., which holy crap, I'm here for. John Bernthal from Fury, like you were talking about earlier. Uh, Michael Gandolfini, which is James's son. Uh, and uh, Ray Liotta, because if you have a gangster movie, you have to have Ray Liotta. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. I'm going to I'm gonna stake my whole opinion on one thing here on this movie. I don't think it'll be bad because of an interview I heard with Leslie Odom Jr. The man got his payday on Hamilton. Like he, he mm-hmm. held out to the last day before they filmed the movie version. So when you combine the fact that he has his money, which I think is an important thing for an artist to do, get your money. And then in that same interview, he talked, this is all on Dak Shepard's podcast. He talked about how um, he loved nothing more than repeating that story and perfecting that role. I think an artist that cares about their craft that already has the bag of money only picks good projects or at least does everything. We're, we're human. We can fail, but they try to pick good projects. So I'm going to stake my whole claim on those two thoughts and say this will probably be pretty good or at least it has really good potential. Yeah, I'm actually starting The Sopranos today, just because I, I want to get through The Sopranos before this movie comes out. We'll see if that happens. Stay tuned. Um, and also speaking of actors who are very meticulous about their stuff, let's move on to Morbius, <laughs> March 19th, uh, starring Jared Leto, of course. Uh, another interesting note that says Michael Keaton in the cast, and this is Sony Spider-Verse, so he's presumably playing Vulture, which will link MCU and this Sony universe, which we all knew was coming. <laughs> he's maybe not the best example of somebody that's very meticulous. <laughs> But I like him. I do. Oh, and I mean, uh, I love Michael Keaton. So, well, yeah, I love Michael Keaton too. And I love stories that haven't been told yet. And uh, Morbius is one that hasn't been told yet on the big screen. So I'm here for it. All right, 007. What do you think? 
April second. Um, I do think it is time for him to die. Like this is he's had such a good run. I think this is probably a good choice for him to. You mean you mean Craig or Bond in general? Craig, yes, and then Bond should probably go to sleep for about ten years. I, I'll I'll never get over what could have been with like if Chadwick had been the next Bond. God, yeah, that would have been incredible. Um, but I'm just kind of sick of Bond. Like I love Craig, and I like I like action movies, so I'll watch it. But I think that they should probably lay low for another. They need to give us time to miss it. Man, I I, I like that. Give us time to miss it. But I think that these Craig Bonds are two of them are outstanding. One of them is really good, uh, and another one is really bad. <laughs> I'm hoping this is an outstanding one. I, I kind of want some time to miss it, but my opinion was I think what's going to happen is they're either going to have an end of the movie or a post credit scene that's going to unveil the new James Bond. Yeah, And then they'll have another bad. one. I mean, the one thing that is nice about this franchise is it's not every other year. It's it's like four or five years in between. So like, mm-hmm. I don't feel overwhelmed by Bond. So it, you know, this isn't like superhero movies or stuff like that. Notable notable additions to the cast is uh, Rami Malek playing the villain. I'm here for it. Lashana Lynch is added to the cast. And Ana de Armas is going to be our Bond girl. Well, one of the Bond girls. Probably Lashana Lynch as well. I'm here for Ana de Armas in anything. And uh, this is written by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, um, who is probably most known for True Detective, mm. um, which I think is a good kind of addition there. Uh, there's a Bob's Burgers movie coming out on April 9th. Do you like Bob's Burgers? I've never seen it, but the person I trust most in pop culture, she loves it. Um, I'm really scared of things that make a lot of sense business-wise that I don't really like, which is let's just take a show we love and let's make a movie version of it because that is a bigger payday than just another episode. Like now if if I loved the show, I'd probably be like, yeah, so it's probably fine. But like what that does is that creates this world in which there's going to be more movies about shows that if you haven't seen it are no longer accessible to you. Sure. Well, Hey, for the sake of time, I think, I think we're just going to have to truck through a bunch and that's okay because some of the ones that we have coming up are very self-explanatory. Um, there's a reminiscence movie coming out on April 16th. I don't really know anything about it except that it's written and directed by Lisa joy, who is the showrunner on, uh, on Westworld. And I love Westworld stars, Hugh Jackman, Rebecca Ferguson and Sandy Newton. You watch Westworld. I did. I watched the first two seasons. I haven't started three. Uh, three is a significant step up from two. So okay, well that's good to hear. Uh, so I'm here for it. That'll be HBO Max. A uh, BIOS on April 16th. I know nothing about it except it's starring Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks is the exception of if he's in it, it's worth noting. America's dad. <laughs> America's dad. That's right. Yo, Tom. If Tom Hanks is in a movie, it's worth noting. So Borat too. <laughs> uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. This is just announced for an April 16th release. This is also going to be on HBO Max. Uh, I wish I could be excited about this movie, but I'm just not. HBO Max owns 2021, and there's no. I will take no further arguments at this time. I I will I will agree with you. Uh, for now, for now, we'll see. I, I, I will agree with you. I'm just saying. I'm interested to see. We'll talk about that later. Uh, a Quiet Place Two coming out on John uh, on April 23rd. Um, Emily Blunt, Cillian Murphy, Chaiman Honsu starring in this. Man, he's going to have a year. It's going to be great, right? I hope so. Um, I mean, the first one was so good. How they, it's so hard to take stuff that is a good concept until you explain it or dig into it. Like suddenly it could get off the rails. So we'll see if they yeah. can do it. But I mean, John, John and Emily are smart people. So I would imagine they'll be good. I agree. Uh, on April 23rd, we also have Last Night in Soho. This is uh, being written and directed by Edgar Wright. This is going to be his first horror movie. Uh, I mean, if you don't count Shaun of the Dead. 
uh, starring Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Terrence Stamp, and Thomasin McKenzie, who was uh, the the girl in the attic in Jojo Rabbit. So Ooh, yeah. I love her. I think she's great. She is. And then Anya Taylor-Joy, I think it's very rare that like a young person feels regal and like distinguished and almost like a like what you would imagine a queen to be like. And Anna Taylor-Joy just feels like that to me. Um, so her pairing with Edgar Wright should be good. Yeah. Man, it, it, this is a, this is an awesome week. If you have to pick between Quiet Place 2 and Last Night in Soho, which one are you going to see? I'm going to opt for, this is so pretentious, I'm going to opt for the non-sequel and probably do Last Night in Soho. Soho. See, every part of me wants to say Last Night in Soho, but there is such an incredible experience about seeing A Quiet Place in theaters. Why not? Though? I'm more excited for Last Night in Soho, but that theatrical experience is up for quiet places. Unlike anything I've ever had. Mm. See, I had these two kids chewing and talking behind me. And I was like, you have two kids under 10 at a 10 30 movie on a Thursday. Terrible. Oh my gosh. Oof. All right. Next we got black widow on May 7th. Uh, Blake, how are you feeling about comic book fatigue? You know, I don't have it because I am the typical, like just surface level movie watcher. Yay. This is fun. I will say that, Kevin Feige is a genius, but he's making on the surface the dumbest move to let's we can spoil Endgame at this point. If you haven't seen it, you're yeah. gonna yeah, yeah. black. You can't you kill someone and then you give them their standalone. Like either he's going to find a genius way to make that make sense by passing the baton to Florence Pugh or whatever, or it's just going to be, Hey guys, we never gave her her standalone. We should have, we screwed up. We're saying we're sorry. And it's very obvious that we suck. Like, I, I think it's the second one. I think it's, uh, you know, we should have given her her own standalone by now, but we didn't. And we, we, we stand by the decision to kill her off. So we're not going to kill her off, not give her own movie. Also, if we announce it before Endgame comes out, people will be like, well, surely she has to live then. Her dying so, in Endgame, I think, was the dumbest, whatever. But that all being said, I like everyone in this. So yeah. I think it'll be a great time. Like, I'm talking about business logistics, but the movie itself should be should be fun. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, I'm not like the most hyped for it, but yeah, I'll hear it. Or I'll see it for sure. I'll see anything MCU puts out. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, do you like these monsters movies? Okay, so when I review the most recent one, that's the most heat I've taken on Instagram for a while. Like I had to block a couple people. It was Oof. it was wild. That's the most comments I've gotten maybe ever. Because you liked it? I did. King of the Monsters? I didn't like it. Now that You didn't like it. Yeah, that being said, I liked the one before it, so... I don't know. I mean, Scarsgar is cool. Um, Millie Bobby Brown is always great. So maybe it'll be good. It'll be on HBO Max, which apparently I'm paying for because I've already seen Marie and Malcolm at that point. But I don't know. I really liked King of the Monsters. Uh, But I like it because it's the most watchable trash I've ever seen. It's not a good movie, but I had a fun time watching it. I'm here for Godzilla vs. Kong because I love the original Godzilla and Kong Skull Island. Uh, I I will be seeing this in a theater, though. I won't be watching it at home. Hearing you say that this is the most wa- that was the most watchable trash is my favorite moment of this podcast so far. Good, because you, well, uh, you were running away to make me disagree with you and disagree and agree with you at the same time. So that's hilarious. <laughs> nice. Uh, we have Spiral coming out on May twenty first. This is a Saw sequel starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. This is definitely in my top five most anticipated of the year, just because of the, all that I've said. That's all I need to know. I am so glad you you say that because. These are two people that I like to just see them both dial themselves up to 10. So that will either be a mess or it will be beautiful. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, but And Saw, Saw franchise is my guilty pleasure for horror. 
I like it for some reason. Have you heard the theory that the kid from Home Alone is the guy from Saul? Because yeah, I like that. I like that theory a lot. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we got Fast and Furious Nine, just called F Nine. These titles get stupider and stupider. Existing cast returning, plus John Cena. This is gonna be like a like a to- a total wreck, but probably a watchable wreck, right? Because that's this franchise. I just like I'm a boy in America that didn't like cars, so I think that really hurts it for me um, in terms of liking it, but. This is the last one, isn't it? Or is it 10's the last one? No, t- uh, 10. 10, but then they're going to do spinoffs. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, ironic because it's Cars. It seems like insane to end it because they just, these things pump money. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I don't love seeing something I know I'm not going to like because I don't like being that guy that reviews stuff they don't like. Yep, we'll see. Uh, I don't like Cars either, but when they shifted away from Cars in Fast and Furious 5, that's when I started to like the franchise. Just because it's like, oh, now it's about guns and muscles and The Rock. I'm here for it. Um, then we have Cruella coming out on May 28th, uh, starring Emma Stone. That's all I need. I think Emma Stone is probably, if we made a list of people that no one's going to say they dislike, she's on there. But man, it's going to be weird to see how they make that. I don't I don't know how that concept is going to work. I think her casting is just inspired. So that's all I need. Infinite is coming out on May 28th. This is a Antoine Fuqua, Fuqua movie starring Mark Wahlberg, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Dylan O'Brien, and for some reason, Jason Manzukis. But I love Jason Manzukis. Yeah, listen, put Jason Manzukis in like at least three more of my movies a year. He's he's like Brian yeah. Ross for me. I can never have enough. I'm with you. But then there's a new Conjuring movie uh, on June 4th. on H- It'll be HBO Max in theaters. I don't like this franchise. I've only seen the first one. I don't like horror movies, especially ones that are run-of-the-mill. Here's my experience with these kind of movies. I don't watch it. My mom watches it. She'll tell me what she thought. She'll tell me her house is haunted. I'll tell her to shut up. That's my whole experience. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And we have Ghostbusters Afterlife on June 11th. Uh, Jason Reitman writing and directing. The uh, son of Ivan Reitman. That is the most exciting thing to me. And of course, Paul Rudd. Because Paul Rudd and Ghostbusters is like a match made in heaven, right? Yes, but I mean, let's not skip McKenna Grace, who I need to retract saying Zendaya was the peak like rising star. I think McKenna Grace is even more peak. I mean, her in um oh gosh, what was it? Gifted and then Yeah, she's the, excellent in Gifted. Zero or whatever. I think McKenna Grace is just going to be she's going to be the bomb. Like that that is going to be our true Meryl Streep. So, yeah, she's she's awesome. Her. Uh we got Luca on June 18th. This is a Pixar movie. That's all we really know about it. And that's all but we need to know about it. Exactly. <laughs> We got In the Heights, uh, John M. Chu directing, but starring uh, Anthony uh, Raymond, who was in Hamilton, um, Corey Hawkins, Leslie Grace, Stephanie Beatrice, Jimmy Spitz, and Lin-Manuel, of course. This will be HBO Max and theaters. Yeah, I mean, Lin-Manuel is all you need, right? Yeah, a lot of people said that he was the worst part about Hamilton, that they, like, they liked his story, but they didn't like him acting and singing, which I thought was weird. So it'll be interesting to see him in this. I liked him. Yeah, it will be interesting. But I like that he's involved somehow. Oh, yeah. We got Venom, Let There Be Carnage on June 25th. Just Andy Serkis directing this time, uh, yeah. which I'm here for. And it's going to be a circus when you th- – like that movie, I did not like Venom. It was so cheesy. But I do <laughs> Andy like- Serkis is making a circus. Nice. I, I really like all these people, so hopefully I can get into it. Here's, here's the thing. They- when there's like a dumb movie that I don't like, I think to myself, well, this must be garbage because I'm a trash panda and I didn't need it, so – Top Gun Maverick coming out July 2nd. Uh, the most exciting thing about this for me is Christopher McQuarrie. I'm really not interested in this movie, uh, but I'll, Christopher McQuarrie is great, especially seeing what he does with the camera in Mission Impossible. Top Gun will be interesting. Yeah, I need to see the first one before this, and I might wait until like right before. Okay. 
I love Tom. Um, I'm the I'm the same with you. I need to see Top Gun again. And, and we got John Hammond here. I love John Hamm. Yeah, he's he is another one of those that's like uh, Michael Pena and stuff. They're they're always adding. They're not typically someone that would lead, but if they're the number two, I'm very very thrilled. I agree with that. Hey, I feel like I've been talking a lot. You want to like kind of take over like hosting responsibilities for a second? Let's see if I know how to podcast host after being off for a year. So next up, we've got Minions: The Rise of Gru on July second, which is a movie none of us asked for, but if we're still in quarantine, every kid will be watching till their parents <laughs> come off a bridge. That's the perfect way to put that. My mind was blown when I found out Steve Carell did the voice, and that just baffles me. Yeah, the first one's garbage. See, I'm a former preschool teacher, so I watched a couple of these kind of things. That's why I like Cars. So I can like it enough, but... Well, I like the first two Despicable Me movies, but Minions was a terrible movie. I watched Minions drunk under a blanket while I was snowed in my house. So I think that's why... That's the only way to watch movies. Yeah, that's the only way anyone got through that movie. Let's see, we got Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings on July 2nd. This is like our first all-Asian-led MCU movie, which is great. I think, I'm not going to put a whole soapbox here, but I truly think movies are the sneakiest way to make people not be racist. So I'm excited for that. And I really do like Aquafina. I think she is really, really funny and doesn't get a chance on to do much. So I'm really excited for that. I agree. Uh, also directed by Dustin Daniel Cretton, who did uh, Short Term 12, which is an excellent movie you can find streaming on Prime, and uh, Just Mercy last year. He did that one. I really need to watch that because I do love Michael B. Jordan a lot. You should prioritize Short Term 12 over Just Mercy, but Just Mercy is really good. Okay. Short Term 12 is out of this world good. Dang, I've never even heard it mentioned until this moment. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those that I, I came across because it's got a lot of uh, actors that you can recognize in it. Uh, stars Brie Larson, you know, before she did Room. Um, it's got a very young Lakeith Stanfield in it, and he's terrific. I like Lakeith a lot. That sounds funny. He was so good in Star Wars. It's a very emotional movie, though. Um, be, be warned. Then we've got The Forever Purge coming out on July 9th, and I'm just going to say it. I love the Purge movies, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think because I'm fascinated by the concept. Here's the thing. This is just a direct look into my soul. Don't let the I'm a trash panda like surface level movies fool you. I'm pretty dark. I think that most people, when left to their own devices, they're evil. I think people tend to be pretty bad. So I think this movies, these movies are fascinating because it shows what would happen if you could do anything. Like I think this is why I live such a paranoid life, because I just don't trust anyone. And I think that these movies do a, just a fantastic job of showing human at their base level. Like In a society, we feel very organized, but like you take that away for a moment – and it could get scary. I think these movies show that. Well, here's the thing. I'll agree with you. And just remember that I'm a full-time minister for a living. So well, if people want to complain, they can complain to me. Which is why, as Christians, we do believe people start from a base not like of evil. Right. I love The Purge Anarchy. I think that movie's awesome. I hate the first and third movies. And I haven't seen The, the First Purge. Let's see. The first one I did not love, but I've really enjoyed all of them since. I thought Election Day was fine, but no, I think Anarchy is a lot of fun. Which one was Anarchy? Is that the second one? The the first the first Frank Grillo one. It's the second one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's definitely the top one for me. Oh yeah. Then we got Uncharted coming on July sixteenth, directed by Ruben. I cannot say that name. Flyger, I think. Flyger, I'm really the guy that did Zombieland and <laughs> Gangster Squad. Oh, I love <laughs> and the, the first Venom. Oh, he did Venom. Okay, wow. So I hate Venom. Love Zombieland. Here we go. 
I think he just hit a stride with Zombieland. I, I like Venom. I don't love it. Um, I hate Gangster Squad. That's a bad movie. And he also did a um, 30 Minutes or Less that Jesse Eisenberg, Aziz Ansari, kind of funny. I need to see that because I like both those guys. I love Aziz. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but this has got Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, and Antonia Banderas. How does Tom Holland have the time for all this? I don't know, but I, like I'm, I'm here for it. Like, well, and how many of these were filmed? I know Uncharted is wrapping filming now, and then he's going to go immediately to Spider-Man Three. I don't know, but I wonder like how much of this stuff has already been filmed a while ago and is just now getting released. But also, he's he's young. He's got the energy. He doesn't need sleep. He can do it. Well, that's true. But Samuel Jackson is like. 70 plus and does even more which is nuts well and the, i mean the other thing too is i mean he doesn't have like a side gig he's just acting he doesn't have like he's also trying to do a pop career like lady gaga or something like that so true so then we've got space jam a new legacy july 16th with my boy lebron james i think this will be so great and i'm excited for a new generation to love space jam i'm not a lebron fan but i'm not a basketball fan so it's okay oh i'm not a basketball fan either i just I love so the one kind of remakes or rebirths I can really get on board with is focused on kids because I think it's very wholesome. They're like, yeah, this generation loved this. Let's let another generation love it. So, well, and you can just easily forgive everything. Yeah. Then we have the Tomorrow War. I have I know nothing about this coming out on July twenty third, directed by Chris McKay. We got Chris Pratt. Jovan Strankovski. Sorry, I'm like the middle school principal that can't pronounce anyone's name at graduation. <laughs> um, Betty Gilpin, which she, I still think, should get an Oscar for The Hunt this year. And then J.K. freaking Simmons, who is also kind of America's uncle at this point. He's my favorite uncle, though. Uh, a man in, is drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to, con- to confront the pa- past. And this will also be Chris Pratt's first movie that he's an EP on. Gosh, that's another thing I think is hilarious when actors want to be the EP on something. I'm like, because I've, so I've interviewed the director from Searching, not director, sorry, the producer. There's a huge difference between like a producer that does stuff and then a producer that gives money. So uh, it's interesting. Then on July 22nd or 23rd, sorry, we've got Old, which is an interesting title, directed by and written by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Tozen McKenzie. Don't know. This is Tom Thomason. There's a typo. Okay. The Jojo Rabbit person again. Ooh, interesting. Um, I don't know anything about. He's that. he's hit or miss. The M Night M Night is hit or miss. I mean. So I would be curious to know if you know who the um, the studio is for this. Jungle Cruise is coming out on the thirtieth, and it's got The Rock. It's Disney. Okay, because I'm wondering if this is them saying who owns Jumanji. It's not Disney, right? I want to say Univer- uh, Sony. Sony. Okay, because I really feel like this is a total ripoff of Jumanji because it's got The Rock even. Then we've got Emily Blunt, Jesse Plemons, and Paul Giamatti. I can't fathom these people together. I want to see this right now. I think this is based off a of Disney ride. But yeah, they're probably definitely trying to cash in on the, the Jumanji hype. I can't wait for that. Then we've got The Suicide Squad, which they're recasting Will Smith, which is so fascinating, but... They they were going to recast Will Smith, but after a bunch of fan pushback, they just decided to um, make a completely different character. Oh. So instead of playing Deadshot again, put Idris Elba as a different person. I'm always so like so-so on whenever it's fans doing stuff to make movies change, but I think that's a good call. Yeah, I agree. But that's coming out on the 6th. James Gunn is now cross-pollinating between Marvel and DC. He's the writer-director. Giant cast. I think this has got potential to be amazing, and... I care more about a bigger question here, which is, if this is amazing, 
Can James Gunn, in true earnest, be Kevin Feige's, by my understanding, right-hand man in shaping the MCU and then still work with DC? Well, I mean, he signed on to this after Disney fired him, and then Disney rehired him to do Guardians 3. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they were definitely grooming him to take over. Like, I think they were definitely like trying to do a cosmic MCU and then just their Avengers MCU. I think they still will. Uh, and they were... I think they still will as well, uh, and they were going to have kind of Gunn and Feige being the two heads, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm still here for that. I just uh, Twitter blowback is such a funny thing because it feels like it encompasses the whole world for a couple of days, but then it's gone and it doesn't come back. So I think they'll move forward with him. Well, I mean, we also have Idris Elba crossing because he was uh, Heimdall in the MCU, and now he's going to be I, in the Suicide Squad. I think that's totally fine. It's more for me whenever the decision makers, not the actors. Cross-pollinate, kind of yeah. interesting. Well, we have Taika Waititi as well, it, acting in this movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you think that James Gunn will stay in the DCU as well? I don't know. I think a lot just depends. Well, he's coming out with a Peacemaker TV show based off the John Cena character in uh, Suicide Squad. I don't know. It'll be interesting because I feel like he wants to do both. And I don't see any reason why he can't do both. Apparently, Kevin Feige said, just make a good movie. So maybe he'll be cool with it. Well, I wonder if maybe kind of Guardians 3... I mean, he always envisioned Guardians as a trilogy. Maybe Guardians 3 is his exit from the MCU. You know, we'll bring him back for one more, and that'll be it. But maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I'd hate to lose him from the MCU. He fits their tone perfectly. Right. And then we have Hotel Transylvania, because apparently Adam Sandler doesn't have enough money yet. Yep. Coming out on the 6th. I don't know that there's much more to say on that. There's not. We've got Deep Water on the 13th with Ben Affleck, Ana de Armas, Kristen Connolly... Lowry, Howry, and this is now why Ben Affleck and Amadiamis are dating. Oh, this is the movie that did it? Yep. Uh, we got Don't Breathe 2 on August 13th, and I don't know why they're making a sequel to that. It needs to be like a same concept, different people, because I can't fathom. So you've seen the first one? Yeah. Okay, that's why I put it on this list, because you know, it's a sequel. It, is it good? Is it worth watching? It's terrifying. Like, it's, it is a scary thriller without ghost in the truest sense, uh, psychologically and physically. Now we have what I just can't wait for, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard with Ryan Reynolds, Sam Jackson, Selima Hymek. Like, the list goes on. I love the first one just because I like them together a lot, and yeah. this will be hilarious. Yeah, I really liked the first one. I need to see it again. I haven't seen it since it came out. Uh, grab your kids and go see Paw Patrol, the movie, on August 20th, which yep. apparently is the thing. Apparently. Um, on August 27th, we've got Candyman, written by Jordan Peele, starring Yohanda Abdul-Mantine II. And anything by Peele I'm going to watch, but man, that sounds scary. Yeah, I'm here for it. Plus, I think there, the from what I understand, there's a history with Candyman of racial racial undertones to it. So Interesting. Well, then I'm definitely here for it, because I think he handles it so well. And like I said, movies are the sneakiest way to show people that stuff. I'm here for it. Jack. Or is on the on the third. If you want to watch people get hurt, so, um, so here's the fun thing. This just started filming, and two days into set, they had to send three actors to the uh, to the ER. And that doesn't surprise me. I'm hoping it's none of the original people because those people are too old for this. I, I kind of like these movies. Like, all right, here's the concept for Jackass. Instead of showing us a Jackass movie, show us take the stuntmen from all the action movies and show us them like when stunts go wrong and compile that together. I'd watch that. I'd call it Hollywood's ass. <laughs> uh, and then we got The Man from Toronto, which just makes me sad that it's not a sequel to The Man from Uncle on the 17th of September. 
So, um, so here's the reason why I listed this is because this is also directed by Patrick Hughes, who did the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I think was supposed to come out last year, and he did the well, original I, Hitman's Wife or Hitman's Bodyguard. I'm the one person that reviews movies and also loves Kevin Hart, and then Woody Harrelson and Kaylee Coco are great, so I think that could be really, really good. I'll probably skip it, but I'll let, yeah, there we go. That makes sense. Then we have a movie that people I respect a lot love this book, Dune, coming out on October 1st. Directed by Denise Villeneuve, uh, starring the whole of Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> um, coming out on HBO Max, and Denise Villeneuve is not happy about this coming out on HBO Max. Yeah, I think. What do? You, what are the chances that they just push it back to 2022? Because then they could still keep good on their progress of every movie that comes out in 2021 will also be HBO Max, and like it's not going to hurt it just sitting on the shelf for an extra six months. That's been the fascinating thing to me this whole time. Like, I don't know how much money studios have, but if it truly is, number one, hard to make a movie right now, and number two, making these big budget things is going to become more rare because of movie budgets being down, they're holding a bunch of assets that, like, this is a lot of, like, Pappy Van Winkle bottles, which is the most valuable thing in bourbon, yep. and you're not going to get them back. So I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't shove them all out. All that being said, the vaccine is moving very quickly, yeah. and... My wife had the option to get it at work as a nurse, like already. I think by October we're back in movies. I I think we're back in movies before then. It, maybe For partly sure. because I'm immunocompromised, so I'm getting the vaccine probably in the second tier. I'm just interested in like I th- I think I think everybody I think earlier than that I think start of summer blockbuster season everything should be back in full force. Um, if we can get summer blockbuster, we might save the movie uh, industry from crumbling. I think it needs twenty years. To. What right i think it needs to uh, i think we need to get some more blockbuster season yeah i'm just wondering and, well here's the other thing i'm thinking about for dune there are 65 <laughs> movies that we're talking about here 65 but probably nothing's going to come out in 2022 because nothing is filming right it has been filming for the last six months why not take advantage and just own 2022 with dune that's what i'm saying like why would you rush out these assets that are very hard to make right that doesn't make any sense to me i don't get I'm it like either. A- I have now lost my notes, so I'm going to have to pull them back up. Can you take it away? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Adam's Family 2. Did you see this uh, original Adam uh, animated one? The one that came out last? Yeah, last year, two years ago, something like that. Yeah, and God, that was such... That was watchable trash, because, I mean, here's the thing. I really love a movie that's seasonal. I'll watch a Christmas movie that's a B. But since it's a Christmas movie at Christmas time, it's like a B. So maybe I'll watch it. Uh, I haven't seen it. I don't intend on it. If I'm going to watch Adam's Family, I'll just watch the old school ones. Then we got Halloween Kills, the sequel to uh, Halloween. It's supposed to come out this year. It's coming out October 15th. Yeah, this is about one of the only horror franchises that I like, especially with Danny McBride writing. I'm here for it. Uh, and we got The Last Duel on October 15th. This is directed by Ridley Scott, written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and starring the two of them, and Adam Driver. And, like, I'm here for all of that. <laughs> yeah, Adam Driver would also be in my, like, top actors currently rising conversation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyway, on October 22nd, we got Snake Eyes. Uh, this is a you know, G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. And uh, Henry Golding taking the realm, or taking the, the reins. Here for it. Whenever I saw Crazy Rich Asians, I immediately said, so right now, DCU and Marvel are blowing up his phone trying to see who's going to get him first. Yeah. So on number fifth, we got The Eternals. Uh, this is directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, this is starring Richard Madden, also known as Rob Stark. We got Gemma Chan, Kit Harrington, Angelina Jolie, Sama Hayek, Brian Tyree, Henry, and Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, what else What else to say? Uh, uh, this is made Kamel Nanjani get ripped. He broke the internet for a good time there. I really like Brian Tyree. 
this movie though, with all these names in it, I'm like, how do we, number one, how do you balance that? Number two, these are supposed to be like very powerful. So I'm very nervous for how they're going to make all that work. We'll see. I trust them. Uh, we got an Elvis movie apparently on November 5th. This is written directed by Baz Luhrmann starring Austin Butler as the role, but also Tom Hanks somewhere in here. Uh, don't worry. This will be on HBO, so you don't need to pay to see it. Yeah, I'm sure my dad will see it, and that that market will they'll love it. Yep. Uh, and we got a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie coming out November fifth. Uh, was this uh, was this your era growing up? Yes, ish. And wait a minute, Tom Cruise is in this. What? What? Uh, this is supposed to be like a live action type. Vanessa Kirby. My mind is blown. I can't continue. How how are all these people in a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie? This is hilarious. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the IMDb Wikipedia. Must be wrong. Uh, this looks like the Mission Impossible cast, and said, but actually, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Well, so so Keenan Tom probably is Mission Impossible cast. So Keenan Thompson, uh, John Cleese, Tony Hale, um, Jack Whitehall, David Allen Greer. Um, I mean, that's that's still an impressive cast. Okay, yeah, that makes way more sense. Yeah, and Wikipedia is just wrong on everything. And now I'm not going to get my Clifford the Red Dog with Tom Cruise. I'm so sad. That is sad. Well, because um, next on the list is Mission Impossible 7, November 17th. Um, uh, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, of course, starring Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Vanessa Kirby, uh, and the new additions being Haley Atwell, Shea Wiggum, and Palm Clementif the Mantis. I'm kind of with Tom Cruise with his, you know, freaking out on set. And uh, I'm here for oh, the movie. If you've already told people and they haven't listened, you have to tell them again in a much more forceful way. I just want Tom Cruise to just come to my city and just walk around and give that same speech to everybody. <laughs> uh, can we make him the mask police? That would be funny, yeah. Uh, on November, tw- November 24th, we got Gucci, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro. And man, what a cast. Uh, apparently Ridley Scott's going to have a hell of a year. West Side Story on December 10th, uh, Steven Spielberg directing Ansel Elgort starring, uh, and then Spider-Man 3, and we don't have enough time to talk about all the Spider-Man 3 stuff, but holy crap, this is going to be the most interesting movie of the next year to keep an eye out for, right? Are we going to get like an uh, in-game level, like open the portal, bring everyone in kind of thing, because that's what it feels like. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what we're going to get, but um, we've got... Uh, it's, it's, I think Kirsten Dunst and Andrew Garfield are confirmed to be back. It's heavily rumored, practically confirmed that Tobey Maguire is going to be back. We have Alfred Molina back. David Harbour and Will Smith are in this? Yep. Will Smith's going to be in it. And David Harbour, somehow. I'm pretty sure it's according to IMDb. Uh. So David Harbour would be in there from his character from, like, Widow. Maybe. Uh, and then also Wesley Snipes in here somewhere. Uh, Jamie Foxx returning as Electro. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. John Favreau back as Happy. Marissa Tomei as Hot Ant, of course. Uh, <laughs> J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson. I'm now. I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I have heard it's rumored that Tom Holland and Zendaya are going to make a brief appearance in this movie. So that was an incredible joke. Oh my gosh! It's, it's old at this like... point, but and it's definitely not mine original. Oh, okay. Man. So I'm ripping it off, but I, I like that joke. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Um, oh, and they also announced that Martin Starr and Hannibal Verse are coming back too. So like, who's not going to be in this movie at this point? Uh, and then we got Matrix 4. You want to see this uh, franchise make a return? You know, until John Wick, I would have been like, I couldn't give less of a frick about seeing more Matrix, but 
I love John Wick, so I guess I will. Notable um, additions to the cast of Yaha Abdul Mantin uh, II, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, okay, and Jonathan Groff, uh, I'm here for. <laughs> Uh, this will also be on HBO Max and in theaters. And then we got Sing on December 22nd, which who asked for a Sing sequel? Um, you can go away. I really like the first one, but yeah, that doesn't make sense to do another one. Babylon, December 25th, written and directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. This was supposed to star Emma Stone, but she had to drop out recently due to scheduling conflicts, most people believe, for Spider-Man 3. Coming back is Gwen Stacy. Because if Garfield's coming back... I really believe... That's a good decision anyways. Like Margot Robbie fits that so much more than Emma Stone. Emma Stone and Brad Pitt, the age gap there is really weird to me. I'm the age gap's about the same with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. She just seems older, not in a bad way, but just like Emma Stone is like forever kind of a teenager to me. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. <laughs> so there's that. And then uh, the one other movie I want to note is Without Remorse. Um, Michael B. Jordan, Tom Clancy uh, movie. Um, it was supposed to come out this year and got pushed back. It's going to release on Prime sometime this year. They haven't announced a date, but I'm going to continue to pimp that movie because I'm so excited for it because I love that character. I love that book. I love Tom Clancy stuff. Keep your eye out for Without Morse. Also, like it's, I think it's going to be a sleeper hit because it's uh, directed by the guy that did Sicario 2 and written by Taylor Sheridan. And like, come on, Hell or High Water, Wind Ride, you know, the Wind River, like Yellowstone. Hell or High Water make some good stuff. Yeah, Hell or High Water is a top five movie for me of all time. Very cool. Well, hey, uh, that's a lot of movies that are coming out this year, and um, there's some interesting things uh, coming out. Um, there's definitely a lot more that's coming out as well. 2021 is going to be very interesting to look back, especially at uh, you know 20 years from now. And I think that's going to have uh, an effect on the future. So for our B-plot this week, uh, Blake, uh, what do you think the future of movies and TV looks like while we're still de- dealing with COVID and the aftermath? What decisions that have been made are going to stay permanent? What would you like to see uh, maybe change? And how do you feel about some of the stuff that's been tried out? So um, how do you feel about what HBO Max is going to be doing? How do you feel about the Disney Plus early access stuff? What do you feel about like Netflix, Prime Video, Apple TV, Hulu, VOD? Like, what's been working? What needs to change? Do you think we're going to be see some more big surprising changes like HBO Max declared? All right, are y'all ready for me to fix all of the movies right here? Let's do it. I wish that's what we all need right now. But what I've heard said a lot on the Big Picture podcast, which is the movie podcast I get most of my like highbrow opinions from is that this is just putting gasoline on a fire that already existed. Movies were always going to get this way. They've been too big budgeted for too long. People are not going to the theater as much. Ticket costs are too high. It's a long list of things that when you put them together in a blender, make a smoothie that no one's drinking. I think the future of movies will look very much like movie theaters will become theme parks. Some big company is going to have to buy them. I would hope it'd be Amazon and you just like, hey, pick up your prime package and watch a movie like, it's going to have to be something, and that sounds funny, but like I think that could work. But all this to say, streaming is going to become dominant. I have deep regrets that I sold all my Disney stock. Oh, I can't no. fathom. Yeah, I sold it. I, I bought it at 100 when the pandemic started, sold it at 130, and then that investors meeting happened. And oh, no. Anyways. My wife has one I, share. Yeah, well, she's smart. I think at this point, to bullet point it all down, funniness aside, Streaming becomes the dominant thing. Movie theaters are only in major markets and someone is going to have to buy them and save them because right now movie theaters are turning into movie pass necessary, making a lot of money for everyone but themselves. Yeah. They can't sustain like this, but a studio like Marvel, do they exist without movie theaters? Like they can't make that big budget movie right. and then make it all back that way. Um, I think we'll keep it, but I don't think they 
will be as popular as they currently are. Yeah, I mean, I'd be on the lookout for Amazon to buy one, especially because Amazon doesn't, you know, like, I mean, they have their studios, but they're not going to be tied down to just showing those. They'll still show the Marvel and all them. You know, it's not like if Universal bought a chain, they'd probably just show Universal stuff. I'd be surprised if Netflix doesn't try to buy one. I'd be surprised. Be something because Disney Plus is coming for their throat. Disney Plus will be have more subscribers than Netflix in less than three years. Right, um, and I won't. I won't even be surprised if like other day, yo, know, um, maybe even like Elon Musk buys a movie theater chain. And I won't be surprised if we see like big industry movie people buy a chain or like a, a collective group of people buy a chain just so movie theaters can stay open. Like, what if the Writers Guild of America? like got some people got some money together and bought a chain or like the academy right like is that is that a plausible you know do we get scorsese and spielberg and coppola and brad pitt to each chip in a couple million dollars to buy a movie theater chain Maybe. or do movie theaters finally renegotiate their deals because i think they only make like a dollar on tickets yeah they're gonna have to put their foot down and say we're, we need more money than that like something something substantial is gonna have to change and as someone who loves going to the theater, I'll be sad if we lose them or if we lose like AMC plus, I don't, I don't make the money to go to a theater without something like the AMC plus membership or whatever. Like right. if we, if we turn it into like you're paying per ticket, that'll be bad too. I mean, it's, it's tough. I don't know who's going to fix it, but someone's going to have to step in because everyone's <laughs> going to lose too much without it. I totally agree. I don't want the theater experience to go away. Which is why I'll just I'm just gonna rant about my stuff <laughs> for the sake of, of time and all that. I wish HBO did. I, I'm for what they're doing. I wish they did it slightly differently. I would say what I wish they would did is still release it for a month, but let it run in theaters for a month first. Like make it a theatrical exclusive for a month and then put it on streaming for a month because like you still get that opening weekend box office draw. You're still gonna get your subscribers to HBO Max. Like there are some of these movies that are coming out to HBO Max that normally I would go see in the theaters, but. I don't have the budget to go to a theater. 65 movies this year that we talked about. Like I don't have that kind of money without a subscription. So like, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I wish they, I wish they did things slightly different, but I like that they're at least for currently with the pandemic, trying to help things. I don't like Disney's early access plan, uh, but it would be fine if I owned it outside of Disney plus for $30. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the like what they did with Mulan with uh, you pay $30 and you get it exclusively on Disney Plus. Like, how about make it where you buy the Blu-ray and you get an access code with that? How about that? Uh, and, and, you, and your digital copy for Vudu and Fandango. Like, if I buy the Blu-ray and it has an access code in it, cool. I don't want to spend $30 to just be able to watch it on Disney Plus two months early. But maybe make it $10 and I'll do that, right? Netflix is going to have a killer year. I'm going to be surprised to see how many of these movies Netflix buys up and potentially a theater chain. We'll, ha- we'll just have to see. Prime Video has the potential. I think they missed out on some awesome opportunities, but uh, they do have a solid collection of smaller movies. And I, I, just, I think they missed out because like Prime could have bought you know, The Trial of Chicago 7 or uh, I think Mank was always supposed to be Netflix. Uh, just, Prime missed out on movies, studios that were selling to try to make some money that they could have just they missed out. Same with Apple TV. I'm wondering where they continue to go. And th- I think it's going to die or merge within a few years. But I, I see a likely Apple's going to buy out something else because Apple doesn't need money. So I, c- I could see them having a buyout for uh, some sort of streaming service that. Oh, here we go. I fixed it. Apple buys a theater chain. 
splits an Apple store in every lobby. There you go. I mean, I honestly thought, what if Apple buys a theater chain? But how, do, how is that profitable for them? Because they already need stores. That's true. That's true. And if you buy their app, if you buy an you know, iPhone, if you check in on your iPhone, you save a couple bucks or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there we go. That's done. All right. Pay us our money, Apple, for that great idea and go do it. Yep. Hulu's Prime with some oppor- awesome opportunities to do some great stuff. They just need to take advantage of it. You know, they should have been buying some properties. Uh, VOD is going to go back to normal, uh, but I think movies are going to release earlier on VOD, not just two weeks before movies come out. And I expect theaters at home, this rent for $20 is going to become regular for non-blockbuster movies. I think yeah. maybe just give it like a week in theaters and then they're going to be regular at home. And that's a smart plan because they're making a killing off of that stuff. Movies won't go straight to Blu-ray and they won't skip theaters more than they currently do. Um, but I wish that would change. I want my theatrical experience, but I also want to be able to buy a Blu-ray six months later. I'm, I'm excited and nervous. Somebody needs to help out. And uh, Blake, I don't have the answers, but uh, when you have the answers, other than Apple buys it, love to hear it. And if you listening at home have, uh, have the answers, have what you think, please let me know. I'm very curious at a lot of things on how the world is going to change, movie theaters being one of them. So so at me at Schweitcastle, please let me know uh, what you think. And if you have a question that you want us to explore during the B-plot later, you can also uh, send that later. So, Blake, you content? You have any other things you want to say about that? No, I mean, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, follow the big picture if you want another podcast that talks about the future of movies. They've been pretty insightful to me. And I guess just strap in, folks. All right. Well, now that we're done with all that pessimism, uh, how about either some more pessimism or optimism? Blake, uh, we're going to move on to split off. So what is that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to either watch or to avoid? All right. I'm going to do two. Um, okay. One, you Most people definitely do. see Searching from 2018 if you didn't because the same people that made that um, have got a new movie on Hulu called Run. But then another thing, this is so bizarre because I'm going to recommend a show that has one season that's already been canceled. But Teenage Bounty Hunters on Netflix was so, so good and funny. And then they yeah. immediately canceled it. And I hate you, Netflix. I hate you. Because you do this thing where you make 20 shows and then you you pick one to keep, typically the worst one, Emily in Paris, and then you cancel the other 19. Just focus. Stop doing a shotgun. Stop doing a machine gun. Do a sniper rifle. Pick three good concepts and give me four seasons. Stop making me fall in love and then taking them away. So that's my yeah, take with, on that. I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm still not over Netflix canceling uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah, but they'll still continue to make a million new shows a year, none of which are good. <laughs> There's like three good shows a year. So, you know, you got like this year's like you got Queen's Gambit. Like, there you go. That's your show that was good this year. <laughs> you canceled Santa Clarita Diet for it. And I'm not, or for, not for it, but for all the other crap because that couldn't have been an expensive yeah. show. I hate you, Netflix. It doesn't make sense to me. Yep. Teenage Bounty Hunters, though. And uh, and I did watch Searching. I liked Searching quite a bit. I'm going to talk about The Night Before because I watched this a couple of nights ago with my wife. This is like my third or fourth time seeing this. I, I really like this movie. If you can, avoid watching the trailer because it gives away the funniest scene in the movie. But this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, and Anthony Mackie as uh, early 30s guys that have a yearly tradition of partying on christmas and it's you know there's ghost there's a there's thematic stuff with past present and future uh michael shannon gives an excellent performer performance Um, this is the perfect kind of movie to watch like with friends if you're one of those people that watches movies with cannabis um, especially in the states that it's legal then this would also be a good movie for that but it's not required like most seth rogan's movies 
I, I think this movie has a lot of heart. It has a lot of laughs in it. And uh, both me and my wife really enjoyed watching it this time. It was her first time, my, like I said, third or fourth. Uh, I think it's an underrated movie and maybe underseen and perhaps forgotten about. But it's it's well worth your time. Yeah, great Christmas movie. Very topical. Good pick. Thanks. Well, we're in Christmas movie watching season right now. Uh, well, that's a wrap. Quick reminder, the studio, the Civ Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for civpop.com, if you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then you can email us at writersroom at civpop.com. If you want to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Castle or uh, email uh, writersroom at civpop.com, and I'll give you a, uh, an e- a email address for PayPal. And um, <clears throat> please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you are listening there. It helps out the show more than you'll ever know. You can also go ahead and search in Schweit Castle on Twitter or Letterboxd to keep up with other movie-related opinions that I have. But Blake, that's how people can contact me. Uh, where can people contact you and, uh, and tell you about movie sequels that were made 30 years later that are actually good? Yes, uh, hit me up on Instagram at Blake in Theaters. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time. And yeah, I really would like to know if there is a good movie that was made 30 years later. That's a great point. I would, I would like to know that. So, Hey Blake, it's been awesome having you on. I've been, I've been really looking forward to this one, uh, to having you, having you on since you're kind of the godfather, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just been a pleasure. So really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks man. I appreciate that. That was very kind of you. Uh, next week, I'm t- uh, I have actually every writer from Sip Hop, almost every writer is going to be giving their top movies of the year. And uh, that should be really uh, fun to hear. So um, maybe a bit premature, but that's okay. So you will hear about best movies of 2020 and movie opinions of 2020. And um, So you're going to have them all like, you're going to do a quick pod with every single one of them and put it all together? Yeah. I mean, I already sent a message in Slack. So if you want to take a look at that. Wow. That's so, impressive. Would love, it, would love if you sent one too. Anyway, so look forward to that next week. And, uh, you know, Blake, uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, in the meantime, you know, we've talked a lot about movies, but we got to get back to the writer's room. Mm-hmm.